Welcome to Me and My Gorgeous Husband, a podcast about a sex therapist and the guy crazy enough to marry him. Today on the show, we are going to dig into porn parody, jump into an interview with my mentor, Dr. V, and finally dive into dick pics and law because, of course. Yeah, Michonne, we're actually doing it. Yeah, finally. (laughs) (laughs) We've been led around like donkeys with apples on sticks. Oh my gosh. Uh, so welcome, everybody, to Me and My Gorgeous Husband. My name is Adam Marr. I'm a sex-positive therapist, straight-friendly, and, uh, you know, I'm here to make the world a little bit more sexual, like, awesome, sexually awesome. Mariah, can you cut that out, please? <laughs> <laughs> Mariah Gossett is our producer. She's amazing. True. She is just a ball of sunshine on a rainy day. And, Michonne, like, what brings you here? I have no uh, discernible talents or qualities, um, no real background. I have been in healthcare for 20 years. I've had a myriad of occupations and jobs, side jobs. I was an aerial arts instructor for a while, worked shoulder to shoulder with a few sex workers. So, Michonne, you've like lived all over the United States. I was going to say great United States, but not right now. <laughs> True. Now's not the time. I know. I wish I'd lived other places, but yeah, I'm getting around. Where would you want to live? You haven't been out of the country yet. Nope, it's true. Where do you uh, want to go? Because I've been out of the country. Because I'm all over Europe, anywhere in Europe. I'm like uh, Nescafe International. <laughs> That's high quality. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Canada, even. I mean, there's a lot of places <laughs> I'd like to go. And yeah, you know, I just haven't made it. Yeah. I've been very busy for the last 400 years. I know. <laughs> yes. For those of you who can't see Michon, uh, he is very old and looks very young. I'm always expecting Chris Hansen to pop out of our apartment and <laughs> be like, what are you doing here? I'm 22, but I look 12. Yes. Um, it's very to catch a predator. <laughs> um, My favorite look. So, Michon, we we are a relationship that openly talks about the porn that we consume and enjoy. Yes, we do. Uh, there's a lot of parody porn out there. And, um, you know, we know what my favorite is because I won't stop talking about it with you. And that is Betwinked. You do like that. I, I can't figure out why. Do. I think <laughs> partly because it's campy. It's just certainly that. Um, you know, a girl will walk a mile for a twink. Yeah, it's not my favorite. They have a drag queen playing the mother slash mother-in-law. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a lot of things. They have Uncle Arthur pop in. <laughs> Why wouldn't they? Yeah, they have everything. <laughs> and is... Mrs. Kravitz is a guy on roller skates. Yeah, that whole <laughs> kitchen scene. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. Yeah. I'm not a fan. I mean... So what is your favorite porn parody? I don't know if I'm into parody. Like, when it comes to porn, I mean, there's a lot that are interesting. Yeah? Especially since I like animation so much. When I hear uh, that they um, have... You just told on yourself. An like American you. <laughs> Dad porn parody. They do. A Rick and Morty they sound like they'd be interesting, and then you watch them, and they're terrifying. There's things happening there. <laughs> so if you could make a parody of any show that was going to be made into a porn, what would you what would you choose? It'd probably be something completely fantasy-driven. It, is it going to be, oh my gosh, it's going to be Peabody and Sherman, isn't no, yeah. it? <laughs> no, because that would involve... Someone dressed as a dog, and I think I'm definitely not into that. <laughs> Michelle, please do not furry shame on our show. I'm no shame. Okay. I'm good. not into Mr. Peabody. <laughs> not like that. Nope. Not that way. Oh my gosh. 
So you're basically saying none. <laughs> yeah, no. That, when it comes to porn, that is definitely. I wonder if there's we've, we've been idea. watching Designing Women a lot on Hulu. I wonder if there's like a Designing Women porn parody. I would be shocked if there is not. Yeah, there has to be. I mean, I, there's Golden Girls, right? I mean, there's two for the Golden Girls. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I wonder who would play Suzanne in the porn parody. Oh, that that's my dream job. So it's just if this if this podcast <laughs> yeah if this podcast takes off. I'm going to ditch you and Mariah, yeah. and I'm going to be in a porn version of Designing Women as Suzanne. So I'm going to be in drag doing that. Oh, that is wonderful. Yeah. So you know, where to forward, s- you know where to forward my mail if I, this makes it. I thought you planned on just doing casting for porn. <laughs> no. no. I no. mean, I could. Got to be the spotlight. Yeah. Well, <laughs> have you met me? Yeah. It's once. Been, it's, been, it's been 10 years. You should know by now. There are some really interesting porn parodies out there that I would like to look at yeah. but have not seen. Are you worried like the FBI is going to come – no, no, Scoop no. Scoop up your computer if you look at it? No, it's not that It's not that big a deal. But, like, Porn of the Dead sounds really interesting. Yeah. You uh, are into horror. Yeah. I mean, I don't think zombie porn would work for me, but I sure would like to watch it while having a drink. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's more like mystery science theater yeah, 3000 yeah. meets porn. Definitely. Okay. There's a lot of comments to be made. Yeah. There's an Edward... Edward Penis Hands. I don't know if you ever saw that one from the late 90s. <laughs> I have not seen that one, yeah. and now I feel like I need to see that one. You should definitely check it out. It's disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> They're all a little too much. The first time I ever saw porn, uh, I was a kid, and my dad had, like, a video, and my brother had some friends over. He was, like, a few years older than me, and they, like, busted it out and put it in the VCR. And there was an ice dildo involved. Oh. I know. I was like, what is happening? That could cause some... <laughs> contractions in your intestines i would imagine yeah <laughs> ice oh no nope. i'm good yeah the first time i saw porn uh i had found a vhs tape because this was a long time ago yeah it was the 1800s so yep. it, was a, it was like the first it was a nickelodeon and i could only <laughs> watch it whenever my parents would go to work or if i like pretended to be sick and stayed home from school and then i'd wait till they went to the grocery store to the bank yeah and i'd get to watch you were it. like on the ready yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I think they're leaving. I hear the keys. Yeah. <laughs> you so. also, this was like my favorite story from you growing up, P.S. Um, so you were very much a fan of Jim and the holograms <laughs> yes. and the music of the show. Okay, now we all know that. And you used to record the music directly off the TV. And you would get frustrated when people would interrupt your recording. <laughs> yeah, because they didn't want their stupid voice in my... <laughs> Brilliant, songs. brilliant yeah. holograms. <laughs> yeah, the the writers for that cartoon were they were doing extra. They knew what they were doing. It was good stuff. Mariah, how are those dicks doing? Super it's, wrinkly, I'm sure. <laughs> it's good. It's like early morning dick. It's a great dick. Um, Majan, I'm super excited today. One, it's our anniversary today. Oh yeah, it's true. <laughs> I know. I know. Who knew? Michelle, who's that woohoo over there? Oh, today we have our uh, old professor. Uh, oh, old. oh my goodness! <laughs> she, she was my favorite professor. Mariah, can you cut that out, please? <laughs> I'll be dying in the corner. Uh, psychologist extraordinaire, Wag Davy Munier. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I like majored you majored in you in grad school. <laughs> Goodness. I was like doing the math and I took you for, I think, six courses because I had you for two wow. practicums. Yeah. I loved having you as a student. Oh my God. And you're already getting into my questions, which one was like, <laughs> what did you remember about me? Because <laughs> I'm almost a narcissist. Well, aren't we all, yeah. right? 
Uh, what do I? What I do remember about you, Adam, mm-hmm. is that you brought the sunshine into the room. Yes, because grad students can sometimes be very draggy. Yes, and kind of low key. They're exhausted. They're not sleeping much. They're working full time, going to grad school. And you would walk in and you'd be like, "Come on, people." We're here to learn. I'm not paying all this money for nothing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was also older when I went back. I think that helped me. Yeah. Because I like knew yeah. what I wanted to do. That's true. Where the people were like, I guess this is what you do. I don't know. I'm 22. And I'm all like, bitch, I'm like 32. <laughs> <laughs> You're an old student. Yes. And Adam you know, Lar. the <laughs> difference is that 22-year-olds are like, show me, tell me, don't make me work too hard. And 32-year-olds are like, I read everything mm-hmm. and I have some thoughts. Yeah. I had a system worked out with other people that I knew were good in the program. So we would take a course and they would take a different course that semester and we would swap notes and everything. So Mm -hmm. then it was just easier because I'd be like, cool, you're smart and capable. I don't have to like highlight this book for the first time. Exactly. You know what you're doing. Exactly. Um, As long as you didn't swap papers. No. Um, Oh, that's me. Sorry. Michelle. <laughs> uh, for those of you listening at home, I'm always on Mashaw about making noise during recording. True. I like these clickers. Can I talk about clicker training? Yeah, for grad students. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I am not kidding you. Are you like dog training grad students now? I fucking love clicker it. training. Okay, yes. it's not the same thing. <laughs> what do they get as a treat when they perform well? Uh, I haven't figured that part out yet. I I think, I think just getting like a, good idea. a thumbs up from you that would make my day. <laughs> You're the best. People were literally scared of you in our program. I think some of it was because they were very privileged people, and then they're just used to things being easy and their mm-hmm. way, and people catering to them. And you would be like, Yeah, no. <laughs> I taught this sex therapy class, which I used to teach often. And on the last day of the class, we have a little party. And then I'm walking out the door, and this dude comes up to me and says, I just want you to know, I thought you were going to be a ball buster. But you weren't. I like you. And I'm like, oh, gee, thanks. I don't know how to take that. Yeah. Because <laughs> Approval <what>? granted. <laughs> like, right. Enjoy your C minus. <laughs> <laughs> no, My he gosh. did a good grade. Yeah. yeah. Mashaan, you know, I was looking up today online, uh, six-year wedding anniversary, traditional is candy. Oh, that sounds perfect. Can you imagine, though, like, we've been married six years. Can you imagine if I just, like, showed up and threw a pack of sweet tarts at you and we're like, happy anniversary? I can't imagine. It's all a dream, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> the candy gift is the well, best gift. Well, you know, I think you're misunderstanding. Yeah. Because candy can be put to a lot of uses. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm getting my notepad out now. <laughs> Hook it up. Because <laughs> there's ways to use candy that would make a six-year anniversary. Yeah. Fantastic. Yes. Mine's erasing. Warm, gooey, caramelly candy. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm. Diabetes. All I can think about is diabetes. Use <laughs> <laughs> a toe for your anniversary. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. The modern one is wood, which you actually hit this year because you gave me a frame for my picture of Rue McClanahan. That's not the only wood he gave you. Come <laughs> on. <laughs> we have that scheduled at 3 p.m. Yeah. Oh, okay. We make dick appointments. When you're at this age, you can't That's fuck true. around, especially when you're having good gay sex. Because you don't want to fuck it up and like eat a burrito for lunch, and then your oh. partner's like, "I'm feeling it," and you're like, uh, "Me too." Yeah, it's <laughs> feeling something else. Um, 
Oh, we have a game to play with you to oh, okay. bring you in. All right. Michonne, are you ready to play the game? Uh, sure. Did you know I was going to be pulling it out at this point? No, I had no <laughs> idea. <laughs> Just whip it out, girl. Oh my God, so these guys. I, it, this is a game that I've actually played in doing uh, sex trivia with folks. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. what, what we've done is I went on Amazon and I snagged a bunch of reviews <clears throat> reviews of some sex toys and Got reviews it. of some household items. Got it. And Michonne's going to read them to us in fun voices. And you have to guess. I'll try. If it is a sex toy or household item review. All right. All right. You got it. If it's the blender or the <laughs> grinder. <laughs> <laughs> or what straight people use, which I think is prayer. I don't know what straight people yeah. use. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm stuck on blender or grinder. It's... They both sound terrifying. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. Whale made, but one size does not fit all. That's it? <laughs> That's not gonna, you're not going to read a lot of them? That's the review. That's, well, that's the review? What? Yeah. What's the, how many stars does it have? Mm. That might help. This has four stars. Four out of five stars. Four out of five American stars. I'm going to say sex toy on that one. Well made, but one size does not fit all. That is a sling. Oh. Or an arm. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so if someone oh like, yeah. That sorry. could be a let sex me, toy. Let me clear on, that up. That could be a sex toy. I mean, there is medical play. That's a, well, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 you know. I'm going to give it to her. Yeah, because I mean, it's on the line. I'm scared not to. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> and I can find a thousand uses for everything in the kitchen. So oh, you don't yes. know who you're playing this game with, all right? We'll play, do you do you know the term pervertible? Have you heard that term uh, before? No, I love that term. So it's when you take an everyday household object and you turn it into something for pleasure. And lots of people who are kinky, right? Like, let's say you're into impact play and you want a very specific sound. Mm-hmm. You might have to really work hard. Like, you might have to, like, take a jump rope and cut it a certain way. And you're like, oh, cool. Now I can finally get that good snap I've been looking for. Yeah, yeah. exactly, right? Yeah. yeah. No, no totally. And MacGyver it. <laughs> also terrifying. <laughs> Sean's over here. I'm scared of all curled up in a corner. (laughs) Terrified. It's much like our love making. (laughs) (laughs) Accurate. I just said love making. I know, gross. I feel like a Christian mom from like (laughs) the mid '90s. Showing your age. Yes, I mean, I'm timeless. Thank you. All right, you ready? Yeah. (laughs) You're asking me. I'm not the one answering the question. Oh, are you ready? Ready. (laughs) Are you ready for this? Here we go. This is really big. It was really surprising. I had a similar one prior to this one, and it was the right size. But this one is too long and thick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That totally sounds like a sex toy. They're all going to sound like sex toys to me. Yeah, that's the point. (laughs) (laughs) You're the worst. (laughs) I'm just going to say sex toy in all of them. It's I a mean, good test-taking strategy. Yeah. This one's you know? tricky, this too. That's <laughs> <laughs> the trigger. You're going to have them right. I'll get half right. It's a plunger, which, honestly... I like that a plunger oh. is too thick for someone. Oh, my God. A plunger is fantastic for masturbation. Did you know that? I did oh. not know Mostly that. Mostly for women. <laughs> um, <laughs> men tend to get their dick stuck in it, but, you know, oh. it's fantastic for masturbation. Why am I so terrified at everything oh. you say? Well, you know, Michelle, <laughs> you got to make do. <laughs> you really have if to you're in hard. Idaho and yeah. you're in this little tiny oh. town and you go to the local A&P yeah. and you're looking for a sex toy. <laughs> A&P? <laughs> Did you not just go to Idaho, but you went to like Idaho in the 1970s? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's when I've been to Idaho, never. So, you know, I mean, a plunger might look pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if it's 
a corn cob or that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just put some saran wrap on it. Cucumber girls. Cucumbers oh, are better than gosh. corn cobs. They yeah. kind of leave strings inside. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I yeah. did not know that we were going to be the filthy girls, and I fucking love it. Yes. Oh, P.S. We can cuss on this podcast. Yeah. I love it. All right. Yes. We're going to do another one. <laughs> Go for I it. I don't want to. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, no. This one's good. Okay. <clears throat> Back to that. They seem to be quality products. The only thing I immediately noticed was that they are somewhat smaller in the diameter than my other pair. I have them hanging in my car now, so I don't have enough pairs for different tasks. Wait, are we at a are we at a showing a Pygmalion? <laughs> I love that voice. I love that voice. <laughs> Spot on Benoit Eliza. Balls. That's my answer. Benoit Balls. Final answer. Oh, well, yeah. That's a good guess. It was a good guess. It's handcuffs. Oh, okay. I do like that someone's just riding around with handcuffs like they need an extra pair. for. But what is it about handcuffs that you need different sizes? I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, I don't. No. Most handcuffs fit one size. So one size fits all. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Maybe someone's just got like a real Benoit balls, list. on the other hand, mm-hmm. 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 you need bigger mm-hmm. sizes, smaller sizes. Yeah. Different uses. Not a one size fits all product. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thankfully. Uh, Michonne, you want to do one more? One more. Una. Mas. Let's see what we got. I shot some on the wall. That's you it. Shot some, some on, on the, the wall. wall. <laughs> I'm gonna say kitchen. No, that's not kitchen. That's household. Yeah, that's just a you, household implement. Yeah, you are correct. They are sugar-free gummy bears that give give people multiple. Oh my god! Diarrhea. Have you read the reviews on sugar-free gummy bears from Haribo? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. My goodness. Oh, they mean because When I'm shit. in a depressed yeah. mood, I go read those. <laughs> <laughs> I was very They confused. are the yeah. best Sh- antidepressant around, okay? <laughs> shooting shooting on the wall, Michonne, was shooting diarrhea. I <laughs> was trying to figure out how this person shot gummy bears on the wall. I did not get it yeah. at all. <laughs> I'm slow, sorry. Wait, they right. shot the diarrhea on the wall? Yeah, because yeah, they, they had such free. terrible diarrhea. <laughs> they, like, sprayed. <laughs> they couldn't make it to Yeah. The- Okay. There's a lot of people on there who are like, it's great oh. if you want to lose 10 pounds. <laughs> oh, overnight. it is Which the I, most hilarious. I don't recommend to anyone, but you know. Yes. Thank you, Haribo, for uh, making lots and lots of fun out of something. Other that... people's intestinal distress is yes. okay. it's real comedy. Yeah. yeah. It is comedy. So. All right. I think it's interesting that like you studied over in India. I did. Came over to the States. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about that process? Like, what what encouraged you to be like, you know what? You know what America needs? <laughs> Another bug baby. Yes. Honestly, I studied in India. The whole time that I lived in India, I was not a good fit for Indian womanhood. <laughs> I, <laughs> Seriously. Because I, <laughs> I, when I was four years old, this is true confession, and forgive me, mom and dad, but, um, I'm sure they're listening right now. <laughs> my dad, I don't know what he was thinking, went to England when I was four and came back with a sailor suit for a boy. And it was my favorite outfit. They had to take it off me while I was sleeping so they could wash it. Oh, All right. And that was the beginning of my whole sort of gender neutral identity that I had. And I really was like... I'm not a girl. I'm not a boy. I don't know what the hell I am, but I'm all of it, you know, and I would climb trees and ride bikes and got me in a lot of trouble because I wasn't, especially after I hit puberty, that wasn't really all that accepted. Mm -hmm. I was also the girl who was 
writing plays and I was a radio DJ and I was doing television and I was writing about sex and people were like, how are you talking about sex? What's wrong with you? And so as I got to college and I began to study psychology, I really became very interested in becoming a psychologist. And at that time, you couldn't really do that in India. You could go do research. You could get a master's degree, but they didn't have like a practitioner-oriented degree. So I had to leave the country and go to either America or England. And this was like late 70s. So this was the beginning of the era of Dallas and some of the other television shows and those big hats and those big guns. And I was like, oh, my God, that is where I got to go. I love it. (laughs) So here's another part of the story. I applied to University of Texas at Austin three times, and they denied me. They did not want me as a grad student. So I went elsewhere, finished my grad work, and then they wanted me when I was doing my psychology internship. So it was like full circle. I came back to UT Austin, did my internship there, and then never left Austin. I love it. Um, I'm curious, like, what is your favorite thing about what you do? Oh, wow. Well, first of all, I feel like it's a huge privilege. I do almost nothing but couples therapy. It's a huge privilege to hear people's stories. Um, When I am, you know, in my 70s, 80s, the things that will live with me is the courage, the resilience, the entertainment, the exhilarating adventures that people have shared with me in their lives. Right. And for me, there's never a boring moment. Yeah. I find that I'm often crying and laughing and yes. in the mix. Because when you're doing relationship work as a therapist, like you become part of their system. That's exactly right. I have couples who have seen me for over 20 years. Not, you know, not every single week, but they come, they see me for a period of time, they take off and then they call me back and they're like, uh, I just had somebody let me know the other day that they were going to be grandma and grandpa. And I knew them from the time that their kid was like, I don't know, five, six, seven, something like that. Isn't that wild? Mm-hmm. And I know, like, I've had people in session decide to, like, have children because of our work. And I'm like, yeah, oh, man, there's, like, extra people on this earth because of what I'm doing. <laughs> okay, there's multiple <laughs> meanings to that. Yeah. Sean, are you terrified? I, always. <laughs> Every time both of you speak. Yeah. <laughs> so you've seen couples um, – you've seen couples – from India in India, like you've helped? Or... I did. Actually, my very, I'm so embarrassed to tell you this, but it's a true story. My very first couple, when I was in India, I did an externship at a government hospital. And that's pretty much where at that time, again, we're talking early, late 70s, early 80s. That was where you could do psychology. So I worked with this guy. He had a huge office with a humongous wooden desk. And then on one side, he had curtains. And behind the curtain was a little tiny office. So he would sit at his big fat desk and listen to me doing sessions behind the curtain. That was how he supervised my work. And my very first couple was a couple where the guy was gay and was afraid Uh to come out. And so he was going out and having anonymous sex. And he had given her an STD. That, these were the days before HIE, so we weren't really worried about that yet. But he had given her an STD, and they had shown up at the hospital. And they had treated the STD, but then they were like, you guys need to go for couples therapy. And so I got them, and 
I remember the only thing my supervisor said was, don't scold your clients. Oh. And I was yeah. like, oh, is that what I was doing? So <laughs> apparently I was scolding him and telling him, stop that. <laughs> stop giving her. <laughs> STD. Trans- yeah, transmitted infections. And coming on today, one of the things I want to talk about with you was this notion of like, what what makes a healthy relationship? How do people get to be a long-term relationship? Give us the answers. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be writing this down. Oh, my God. That's like a two-hour answer right yeah. there. So I think the mo- there are two or three ingredients that make for a healthy relationship. The first is do you have fun together? If you enjoy hanging out with each other, if you uh, have fun together, and you know what? Fun can be anything from we love playing cards against humanity. Uh, we love watching television so we're both gamers and we just hang out on the television versus we go bungee jumping and rock climbing and fall off of helicopters. I don't know why anybody would do that, but some people do. And um, we think that's fun and we do it together or we do it separately, but then we come together and share these stories and it creates a lot of energy and fun between us. That's huge. That's the first. The second ingredient is what in the Gottman, you know, I'm I'm a certified Gottman therapist. For people who don't know, the Gottman said, let there be therapy. And you were like, all right. <laughs> I can do that. You're like Gottman number like 50. Um, yes, I'm pretty close to 50. I'm not 50, but I'm pretty close. Oh. oh, oh. I'm number 64. Oh, so close. Gottman number 64. Is it like Highlander? If you <laughs> collect their heads, you get to like their power? And yes. Then you get list? Yes. Yeah. But, you know, my claim to fame is that I'm a Gottman master trainer. And I'm one of, I think, 15 or 20 of those in the world. So, And you trained me. And I trained you. Wild. And so I um, use a lot of Gottman therapy. You know, they did 40 years of research and they came up with this model. And I'm, I would love to talk about their model. But they've continued the research. And one of the new things using high-end technology and all kinds of fun stuff, one of the things they came up with that I think really captures something very important in healthy relationships. They called it the carrying capacity. Uh, another word for it is, can you stay calm when things are not going well, yeah. right? Can you be patient? Can you hold your own and your partner's negative emotions without immediately jumping to react to it, without having a terrified reaction <laughs> to it? So then if you can do that, then it turns out even 30 seconds of calm Actually, is it 30 seconds? Yeah, about 30 seconds of calm when your partner is upset with you changes what happens in the conversation and in the relationship. Yes, I talk about this in session as the power of being chill. Mm -hmm. So, like, my brother has two kids, and he's older than me. And once he had kids, he was like, oh, gosh, I'm so scared. I don't know what to do. And he told me the story of what he does with them when they cannot emotionally regulate, right? Because, like, little brains don't know how to do that yet. They have to learn that. Right. So they'd start crying or being upset, and he'd say, can you be chill? And that meant, like, cool, do you need me to stop what we're doing and me to help you get there? Or can you, like, muster what you need within you to calm back down and we keep it. moving forward? Love it. And they'd be like, I want to be chill, but I can't be chill. And he's like, okay, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know. What the, great communication, yeah. right? And then sometimes we're like, I could be chill. I got it. I can do it. It's going to be hard. I can do it. And I'm like, yeah. that's brilliant. Right. So the ability to 
tolerate the intolerable for a little bit. Teaching exactly. people how to do that. Exactly. And it's just really a little bit mm-hmm. because it turns out that uh, dysregulation doesn't go up to 100 and stay there. Just automatically, organically, when you get really ramped up, if you can just take some deep breaths, it comes back down on its own. So that's the second quality. I would say the third is trust, right? Being able Come on, to trust this person, being able – and trust is based on – I talk about this as the – is it the four pillars? The three pillars of trust, right? The first pillar of trust is does my partner have my back, you know? Do they have my back when even when I'm not there? Do they throw me under the under the bus behind my back, right? Uh, if I call them and say, I'm having a bad day, can you, like, come home early? Do they say, yeah, I'm going to make do everything I can to come home early? That's the first one. The second is fairness. You know, does the relationship feel fair? Fair doesn't necessarily mean equal. It mm-hmm. means do I have the deal that I thought I signed up for? And is my partner, like, I was talking to somebody about a couple that wants to have a dom-sub relationship, right? And they're both... Adults, they're both voluntarily consenting to be in this dom-sub relationship. And so in a dom-sub relationship, there's not going to be equality, but mm-hmm. that's not what they're signing up for. Yeah. What we have to do is help them learn what does a good dom do and what does a good sub do, right? How do you really build a healthy contract based on that? And when you do, when you feel like you got the deal you signed up for, you're going to have trust. Yeah, I was reading recently about those relationships as uh, authority, giving up authority rather than power. Because you always have power to, to say, exactly. no, I want to get out of this. It's different than an abusive That's right. relationship. That's right. So it's like, you know, going to work. You give your boss authority to tell you what to do yeah. if you have a boss. Um, but it doesn't mean they own you. That's right. That's right. I tend to think of it as personal versus relational power, right? Mm-hmm. So I always have personal power. <laughs> but I would I love can... to see someone try to snatch it from you. I know. Because you would lay them out. I would. <laughs> um, but I can play with relational power, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes it's really fun yes. to not be in power in a relationship or in a particular moment. And sometimes it's really fun to be the powerful one mm-hmm. and to say, let me play with this idea, right? So relational power, I think, is something that we can really um, take out of the m- box of morals and say relational power is something that's fun that you can play with. The last quality of a healthy relationship is commitment. The four pillars of commitment are investment. You know, how invested am I in this relationship? If I invest time, money, effort, attention, I'm more likely to be committed, right? It's just easy to be committed to somebody. The second is the quality of alternatives, right? If I live in Idaho and all I have is... um, It's either this or a plunger. Junior, who lives (laughs) down the street from me, needs this side of 50... And if I want somebody that's this side of 50, that's the only place I can get. Junior's going to look pretty cute, right? He's going to look pretty sweet. I've seen some good juniors. I might not want to give up junior. So the quality of alternatives. If I live in Austin and I see a young, gorgeous body every day running down the hike and bike trail, commitment's going to be a little harder. Yeah. You know? My partner's going to have to show up. Yeah. and, And be all of it. Okay. That's pillar number two. Pillar number three is persistence. You know, do I believe that something is worth having and that it's worth having even if it's hard work? We tend to think of that if I'm going to medical school. Medical school is awful. It's awful. It's so, um, you know, what's the word? Knuckle dragging. Yes. Um, 
you know, brain-blowing kind of experience. But why do people stick with it? Because they believe that at the end of it, when I get that medical degree, it will all be worth it. We tend to not think of long-term committed relationships or marriages that way. And I think we really need to because that is what keeps commitment going. So what do we have? We have investment, quality of alternatives, persistence. So the fourth pillar of commitment is level of satisfaction. You know, uh, you can be committed to a relationship only if the relationship meets at least some of your important needs, right? So commitment grows the more that I am with somebody who meets my important needs. Everybody can't meet every need. So it's really about prioritizing, right? Yeah. And some of this, I think, is can we be really clear about what we're willing to outsource to other people? Oh, yeah. So I love Mashan to death, but he is a robot with emotions. He's a lot of zeros and ones. Uh, So I get like a little bit of emotional connection with him. Because he's, are you throwing him under the bus? No, right no, now? he knows this. <laughs> oh, okay, he knows who he is. <laughs> no, yes. <laughs> because um, he he's had all sorts of emotions. Yes, in this mostly terror. <laughs> mostly terror. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to be able to like process that, like that's been a long time in the making. Like we've been together eleven years, so it's been yeah. some work to get there. Yeah. But to go, cool. I don't have to expect him to do this the same way that I can do it. Right. I I finally had to go, Adam. This is like if he asked you to do algebra. And you'd be like, fuck, dude, algebra? Like, I can do it, and it's going to take a lot of work, and I'm going right. to suck at it, and it's going right. to be some jacked-up fucking algebra. Is that the only way I can, like, connect with you? And it's like, there's, like, whole math teams you could yeah. go do math yeah. with. Yeah. I mean, you know, let's talk about sex. Yeah. Okay? Not that we haven't already, but yeah. let's talk about sex. There are people who genuinely don't really care yeah. if they have much sex in their lives. And there are people who would like to have sex every day. And unfortunately, some of them attract each other, right? And then they're in a relationship, and they're each beating the other one over the head and saying, why aren't you giving me enough sex? Why do you want sex all the time? And how do you negotiate that? The traditional way of negotiating that was one of you's got to change, you know, or the uh, old behavioral marital therapy. They had this amazing intervention. It was horrible, but it was... Uh, what they used, it was called the behavioral exchange contract. And the behavioral exchange contract was, you want sex all the time, okay, and I want you to empty the trash. I'll give you a blowjob if you take out the trash every day. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. BJ's for trash. Yeah. There you go. Now, that works once or twice. But if a relationship is based on that kind of behavioral exchange contract, then what happens is people become emotional accountants, yeah. right? Then they start to say, well, you didn't take all the trash out, so I'm going to give you a little quickie, BJ, not <laughs> the full-fledged one that you want. I'm not going or, to the balls. I'm not going to the Well. Or, you know, I took the trash out three times this week because we had that party, so you should give me a BJ and anal sex and this and that. Yeah. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. doesn't work. Right. People yeah. can only sustain that kind of behavioral exchange for, first of all, mundane, routine things. And secondly, for short periods of time. And so in order for people and, you know, let me back up also and say this. When I first started out in the 1980s as a couples therapist, we had a very traditional view. 
We still do here mm-hmm. in Texas and other parts of the country. We think of you find your soulmate or you find this one person, you get married and marriage is forever, and that person becomes your be-all and all. That God put you together and no man shall tear asunder. Okay, that's great. But you know what? The big secret we all don't talk about is that that works sometimes for a few people for about five years. But then after that, that one person cannot be your be all and end all for the rest of your life. It's an impossible. And it's even even if it was possible, why would you want one person to have all of the eggs in their basket? Yeah. Gives them a lot of power to be the person that either makes you happy or miserable, right? And so what we want is to really, this is what you and I talked about, about me coming on the show. We want to really promote the idea of a good enough relationship. And a good enough relationship is one where those qualities of that healthy relationship are present, right? You have fun together. Uh, The two of you are able to stay calm. You have good caring capacity. The two of you trust each other and you have commitment. And because of that, the relationship is worth hanging in there for. But the relationship still may not be everything that you want in a relationship. So how do you begin to critically evaluate your own life and your own personal power and say, how am I going to be happy? I use a formula that somebody taught me, and that is your partner should meet 10% of your needs. Yes. People are going to be shocked that it's so low. I get it. Mm -hmm. I know some people are going to be like, 10%? What? (laughs) Right. Because 50% of your half your needs should be met for you by yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, I got to do work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You got to find your own ways of being happy. You got to be happy within yourself and by yourself and with yourself. And then 40% should really be outsourced to lots of different people, Mm -hmm. right? And what people do is, first of all, they put too much of that percentage in that one person, and then they get really unhappy. And then they take whatever they're not getting from that one person and put a big chunk of that in one other person. So they end up in an affair. They end up having some kind of relationship that then becomes like these two parallel committed relationships. And guess what? doesn't make people happier. They're just now doubly miserable because they have two people to be miserable about. (laughs) They're like, my needs aren't getting met anywhere. Anywhere. And you're like, that's because you have to do it yourself. And I think things like our hobbies, our career, uh, just interest, like spending time in nature. Like I consider myself more of a relationship anarchist. Like there's all these ways to feel connected and good. And I try not to put those in a hierarchy. That's right. When Scout, our dog cuddles me i'm like this is really lovely and great and though you're probably doing this just because you're hungry i'm gonna tell myself a story of like you just because you love me that's right and then it's the same feeling i get when i get to hold Mashan's hand that's right mm-hmm. true less furry <laughs> <laughs> not quite as cute yes oh cuter no, well no. i don't know your dog so she had the beard yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing but here's the thing I would add your friend that calls you and says, will you go to a movie with me? And you go to a movie and the two of you hug each other at the beginning and the end. That is also a part of the juice that you're allowed to get. And this is where I think people who are out of that more conventional narrative can teach folks. So being queer myself, right? I have friends that can like hold their hand through a movie. Exactly. 
and we know what it means about our relationship that we are just enjoying each other and right. it, it can be platonic it can be a little sexual tension it could be a frisky friend because i'm a wild one um <laughs> but that those we, we have permission to do that and I think a lot of people born male and raised to be masculine do not get permission. Well, women too, right? Yeah. We really give up on our ability to enjoy a variety of things with a variety of people out of some moralistic position. So, yeah, when you maybe become like mom mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden that's all supposed to come from being a mother. Oh, my heart. The hardest thing for me was when my son turned into a teenager Everybody in his world thought it was weird for him to give me a hug or for him to have a a connected relationship with me. And I was so sad because I think this society teaches boys that they really need to disconnect from feminine energy within themselves and from feminine energy around them. And I honestly think there are men walking out there who feel kind of half-assed. Half-baked because of that. They spend their whole lives feeling like they're missing something huge. And what they do, unfortunately, is sexualize it. And then they dump it all into sexual relationships and then wonder, why am I not feeling fulfilled? Why do Mm -hmm. I not have intimacy? And then in society, in American society, we say, see, you guys are just horny. And I'm like, if that's the only pathway towards intimacy this person has. That's right. Can you really blame them for wanting to have lots of sex? When it's the only socially acceptable way for them to be close to a feminine person. Yeah. Right? Uh, or any person. Makes yeah. Makes me sad. It makes me sad, too. And, you know, we don't talk about women, but mm-hmm. women have the same dilemma where they might really want to have, and me being one of those people, growing up in India, most of my friends were boys. Mm-hmm. And I loved hanging around with boys because they were more adventurous. They were more risky. They were more wild. I could talk about sex and they didn't faint. And it was like, thank God for boys. But every time I was seen with a group of boys, I got a bad rap, right? And the rep I got was that somehow I was doing something sexual because I wanted to be around with boys. And the fact was I actually didn't want to have sex with any of them. You know, that's not what I wanted out of them. I just wanted friendship. And women often deny themselves the ability to have many, many, many male friends because both men and women sexualize it yeah. and create a taboo out of it. Which is why, as, again, a queer person, <laughs> I have many, many femme people in my life who are like, you're great because I know exactly where we stand and I can just keep it real with you and we can have intimacy and it's not about being sexualized. Is that okay with you? Oh, I fucking love it. If, oh, okay. If, okay. if it's a two-way street, right? All right. I don't want to be is like a tchotchke. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to be like, here's my game brand. It's <laughs> okay. Isn't that great fan? I'm going to hug and yeah. kiss and get all that from, but yeah. really that's all he's for. <laughs> no, I'm like, if you're going to do that to me, then you're also going to take me to fancy dinners. and. I love it. Yeah, champagne. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. You want to like, well, <laughs> you want to be my sugar mama? He can be bought. Yes. Yep. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I not know this about you? No, because I was your professor, yeah. and I couldn't have done that. I mean, you kind of did. Oh, there, I no. remember we went and sang karaoke one time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah and that yeah, the best part yeah. was people were like, "You're hanging out with professors." <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." You just like, I got hoarse that night yeah. trying to sing with you all. I loved it. Yes, 
You created this monster. Oh I my created gosh. a monster. That's <laughs> yeah. true. No, I just brought him out of his cave. <laughs> wow. Thanks for that. <laughs> he was already there. We were joking about that but, before you got uh, here today. Uh, come on. Come on. You love it. You love it. You know you love it. There's moments. <laughs> uh, um, oh, I have a great question for you. Right. What's the worst piece of relationship advice that is currently floating around the world that you might be hearing? Oh, my God. Uh, I'll tell you one the worst piece that I've ever heard. When my husband and I went to therapy and <laughs> yes. we were in a conflict, the therapist turned to me and said, don't get your panties in a wad. That was her intervention. Wow. <laughs> wow. Is yeah. that, is, and she thought she was being clever. Yeah. Is that Virginia Satir style? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Virginia Satir was actually yeah, was like, brilliant. Yeah, she was like, and would have said nothing like, yeah. "Don't get your panties in a wad." She was like the most kind, loving. <laughs> she's like the grandmother right. figure in right. experiential therapy, Michelle. Yeah, I think the one I hear a lot. Is, yeah, tell me. Don't go to bed angry, and I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. If people are tired, they do not have the capacity to sit here and That's talk right. with you from a, a place of yeah. knowledge and kindness. That's right. What the motherfucker right. go to sleep? I know. <laughs> When I was in my 20s, this is a story I tell about my own marriage, right? When I was in my 20s, my hus- I, we had little kids, and so I was staying at home most of the time and working part-time. And Tom, my husband, was working, you know, 90 hours a week, working in retail. And so he would come home at 9 or 9.30, dog-tired. He'd been standing on his feet all day dealing with irate customers all day. He'd walk in, and I'd be standing there with my hands on my hips going, we got to talk, mister. <laughs> And so, as you can imagine, trying to be the loving husband, he would talk for about two minutes, three minutes. But then he would be tired, so we would escalate. Because I've been boiling all day. I've been waiting for him to come home so I can dump this thing on him. And then he is walking in the door and feeling like he's getting dumped on. So within about three minutes, we'd be off and running into this escalated argument. And he would say to me, stop. I'm done. I can't do this. I got to go. I'm just, I'm done. I can't talk about this right now. And he would march out of the room and go to the bedroom and go to bed. And two minutes later, I would hear this gentle snore emanating from the bedroom while I'm still sitting in the living room fuming because he just walked out on me. So I would wait half an hour until he was well and, you know, Mm -hmm. good and asleep. And then I would walk in there, turn all the lights on, wake him up and say, we got to finish talking. Yikes. I thought you were going to say smother him with a pillow. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Tom's been a ghost husband this whole time. Plot twist. No, no, no. You've met him. You've yeah. met him, right? He's, he's mean, real. He yeah. lives. Um, he's living. Yes, he's living. And it took me actually a couple of decades to realize that was actually the worst thing I could do. Neither were either of us really getting into a conversation at 9 o'clock at night that was going to go someplace good. And then on top of that, once the man's asleep, if you wake him up and say, we got to talk, guess what's going to happen? Right? So we used to have these really awful conflictual arguments. And I realized if if he says to me, I'm done, and walks out of the door or the room, and I can just let him go for an hour, two hours, a day, two days, if I intend to be married to him for the next 50, 60 years, I got a whole lifetime to talk about this thing Mm -hmm. because he's not going anywhere, right? So two days later, I could still talk to him about it, and it'll be a very different conversation. Come on now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I teach people all the time how to be like, look, if you have something you really need someone to be a good listener for, you have to invite them to that conversation. Exactly. You can't just thrust it on them. Or catch them when they're doing good. Yeah. Catch them when they're feeling good. Start with having fun. Start with being calm. And then bring up the thing. Yeah. You know? Have some cheese and wine and be like, hey, by the way, your in-laws are driving me insane. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Michonne, you're looking so beautiful over there. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I'm doing, I'm what do you think, Michonne? What do you think about this idea? Uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes people need space, right? You, I think having <laughs> a little time to think Especially is good. if you don't have emotions, you yeah. need yeah. space yeah. to think about what emotion was, do I have about this? There was one time <laughs> I'm terrified. I, yeah, I had to leave the house. I was yeah. like, I'm going to drive around the block. Yeah. That way I don't murder him. Yeah. And yeah. I came back and things were fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And meanwhile, because I am more anxiously attached, I'm like, if you want space, motherfucker, you better go join NASA. <laughs> bitch, so were you running after him? No, no. no. I learned at this point just to be like, we're going to be cool. Yeah. No, that was the hardest thing for me to learn because I'm also, I don't think of it as anxiously attached. Mm-hmm. I think of it as your re- attachment style is either relational or autonomous. If you're a relationally oriented person, you feel okay when you're in relationship. Other people giving you feedback makes you feel like you know who you are, what you think, and you feel okay. If you're an autonomous person, you need to pull back and go into your cave or room. And you know what? It doesn't matter if you're male or female. It happens to both. Autonomous people need space so that they can really calm the internal tornado down and think about what is reasonable in what my partner is saying. Because for an autonomous person, the relational person always sounds hysterical, Mm -hmm. always sounds crazy, right? And everything they want sounds unreasonable. For a relational person, the autonomous person looks like a cold fish who can't meet, you know, Mm -hmm. feel anything. Yeah, take notes, Michonne. (laughs) Michonne le poisson. (laughs) That's what you call him. I'm the fish. Le poisson poisson glacé, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Icy fish, baby. (laughs) Yes, the icy fish. (laughs) You know me. Uh, Michonne is a very lovely person. I think what I've learned in going to grad school and then just doing this work is like how to have deep appreciation for who he is just as he is. And that lets me tell a different story. And that's what I mean by a good enough relationship. Mm -hmm. That really the secret that we don't talk about is there's very few people at the bottom who are really, really miserable and very few people at the top who are really, really ecstatic. Most of us live somewhere in the middle where we have an imperfect relationship. And imperfect relationships are worthy of keeping if you know how to live in them in a way that is filled with patience, acceptance, compassion, and self-love, right? And that ability to only make your partner responsible for 10% of your needs, to make yourself responsible for 50%, and to have a whole rich community of people who meet the other 40% makes us much more able to really live in this human condition with human relationships that um, end up being very, very uh, lovely and yeah. long-lasting. And I think it makes, it makes us, it encourages us to be softer on ourselves. Yeah. When we let ourselves down, when we're just good enough. If we can, like, embrace that. It makes That's it right. so much easier. And then it just goes into a feedback loop. And, you know, you can't accept somebody else and have a good enough relationship with somebody else if you don't have one with yourself. Mm-hmm. That's where it starts. Dr. V, I love you to death. I cannot believe I got you to come on a Saturday morning. Thank Uh, you. Thank you for your time. People can find you on Facebook at the Center for Relationships. 
They can find you on Instagram at the Center for Relationships. You got some projects coming up, a premarital program. Yeah. What's that going to be like? You people like this is what you do if you want to well, get married. Well, I and stay have uh, people who work at the Center for Relationships, mm-hmm. associates who are very interested in working with people who are moving towards tying the knot mm-hmm. and would like to really come in and and work out some of the kinks before they do. <laughs> <laughs> You can't say kink to me because it's a nice thing. I, I saw that. Yeah. I saw that. I'm like yes. a five-year-old. Multiple uh, kinks. Yes. <laughs> uh, Ask the Sexperts program and Facebook Live. Yes. What? This is a program that we've actually had for a year now where we have people at the center. We call them the Sexperts who will provide and offer uh, science-based, accurate information about sex and sexuality. And we do a Facebook Live. I believe we just started uh, Wednesday evenings. Uh, so go to the Center for Relationships Facebook page, like our page, and you will get notified whenever the Facebook Live is happening Wednesday evenings. I love it. Well, thank you again for being here. Thank you for saving Michonne and my relationship. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, many really times nobody knows how many times I have saved your relationship I, no I mean for real there are times I'm all like oh yeah I just learned about this I should probably practice it yeah. so thank you you're welcome right. thank you for inviting me well Michonne do you want to get into some things that are happening in the world? Yeah, let's do it. I have an appointment in five minutes. Oh, my gosh. Where, where do you have to be? <laughs> Nowhere. <laughs> uh, well, I thought we would talk today about the Texas law that just came out. It is, let me look here, House Bill 2789. Yeah. Yeah, it is the no dick pics law, no nudes without consent. It's going to stunt my social life. <laughs> <laughs> You're like that's my whole that's my whole wheelhouse. <laughs> yep. Uh, so oh, in God. in this law, like it is a class C misdemeanor with a fine up to five hundred dollars if you a person sends a nude or a underwear pic that is how do you say this word? Oh, it turgid. Turgid. Yeah. 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 I, I could not say it for the life of me. To mean swollen or distended. Yes. <laughs> so if you if you're shooting those off to people without consent then that's a Class C misdemeanor and a $500 maximum fine. Yeah, I don't understand the specifics. Like, let I get it if you're nude. Then there's no arguing around that. But if you're wearing underwear, some third party gets to decide yeah. whether you're swollen or not. What if you just have a big piece? Do you think it's going to be like, um, like there's going to be like dick cops and there's going to be like yeah, dick sure. court, it's, like night court, only about penises? Yeah, yeah, it's the new law and order. It's coming. <laughs> special special penis unit? Yeah, yeah. SPU? Mm-hmm. It's, it's right around the corner. <laughs> so there are some really great things about this. Like, right, like I'm about consent. True. And I think it is important to get consent anytime you want to share your erotic images with people because you don't know, right? Just because they wanted it last week doesn't mean they want it today. Sounds reasonable. They could be babysitting their niece. They could be at the grocery store. They could be at work. So it's not that hard to say, yo, I'm feeling myself. Do you want to see some not safe for work pictures and let people opt in? Absolutely. If people were good at communicating. Yeah, I was going to say, I think what's going to be tough is how do you enforce that? Because we don't really teach people consent on that level. So, like, you know, we've been kicking it for almost 11 years here. Right. So uh, the way this law is written, if I would just send you 
a nude of me right now, you could be like, mm-mm, call the dick cops. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be exceptions to the rule. Well, I think there just has to be clarity because we don't know yeah. how it's going to be enforced yet. Yeah, this is true. I felt the same thing when I read this. Uh, my immediate reaction uh, from, like, a primitive standpoint was to roll my eyes and be like, oh, Jesus. This is another weird form of control by some sort of conservative group or the religious right. But then I stopped for a second and was like, no, that's pretty reasonable. I mean, yeah. nobody needs to receive your nude pictures without uh, solicitation. I mean, I'm on Grinder. Yeah. So I didn't, in case you didn't know. <laughs> what? Yeah, this just this just turned into a whole different podcast. This is over. Me and my divorced husband. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and sometimes people will send me nudes on Grinder without you know, engaging with me at first or anything or anything like that. And uh, a part of me, no. if I'm into it, let's say they really like do a number to make some art out of that nude <laughs> or it's a good looking dick, I will allow it. Okay. But if it's not something I'm feeling, if this motherfucker just took it on the toilet, You're like rep- there's no, there's no like thoughtfulness and designing. No nuance. Yeah. You're reporting it straight to Greg Abbott. No, I oh. <laughs> I send a GIF, because you can send GIFs on Grinder now. Oh yeah. Of a banana slicer. <laughs> oh. Jesus. Because I'm a boss ass bitch. Like, if you're gonna if you go come out the gate with a dick pic, it better be as strong as my Christian faith. Right. You do appreciate a backdrop. Yeah. Chiffon. Chiffon yes, specifically. Bitch. That's Rap- normal. Yeah. <laughs> I want it to be like I want it to look inviting. It needs to look like a a Monet, right? Like, I'm lost in the playfulness of this dick pic. Yeah. I, being uh, a male, my initial thought of receiving unsolicited dick pics is like, who cares? I'll just delete it and move on. But um, I'm also, you know, not a member of a community that is constantly inundated yeah. and made to feel less than. And, um, has their boundaries crossed constantly. Yeah, I so think, I understand it for them. I think some of it is too, you know, being mostly male myself, we have more access to power to feel like we could stop that from happening. True. Right. So um, I think of it like when I go to like Hooters, I, I'm glad that like women can like make money off of being sexy. There's a part of me that's like oh, fucking society. Yeah. But then I go to like the gay club and there's dick dancers and I'm like, yes, you fucking dance for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's because I feel like they have more access to stop being sexualized, objectified if if they chose to. Yeah, there's it's a different perspective for sure. Yeah. Um, well, so I like that I like this law for uh, mostly for women who are constantly inundated by dick pics, even on uh, dating forums like Tinder or whatnot. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say this law is not just if you sext it to somebody, but if you send it on an app, if you send it through email. Yeah. Um, Michelle, my favorite dick pic of myself is a picture of us. We took it so long ago. I, I it was, have we used to no live, clue. It's when we used to live in Travis Heights. Oh, okay. And it is just lit perfectly. <laughs> and you are just saddled up there like a champion. It's pro model. Yeah. Let me just tell you, <laughs> many people have seen that dick pic. <laughs> oh, lovely. Yeah. Here's the thing about people, that. People sometimes think it's it's not me because it's so good. They think it's like a still shot from a porn. Probably. And I'm like. It is a really good picture. I think is. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, thank you. Also, it would. I made it myself. Yeah, I've, I never. Um, it. I'm not shocked that that picture gets shared. Like, even though it wasn't something I knew about originally. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, if I'm going to take a nude picture of myself and pass it out, I would just assume at some point 
someone's going to see it, even if I'm not the one sharing it. Yeah. So there's that. I was looking at some research that is fresher. And on average, when a, a nude pic gets shared with people, it gets shared with about three folks other than the intended party. Yeah. So, like, you know, people go to brunch and they're like, girl. Look at this. Look at this dick. (laughs) I mean, especially if it's a really good picture. I know. You need to understand that they're going to show someone. They they will likely do it. Just be proud. That's kind of human nature. (laughs) Yeah. They want to show their confidants. I would never send a picture that I wasn't super proud of to begin with, so. Yeah, well, yeah. you hate yourself, so you probably don't send any pictures then. <laughs> oh, no, I have pictures. They're good ones. It's oh. far between. Uh, Mariah, can you have Mashan send me those pictures? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Take care of that later. <laughs> Mariah didn't know she was going to be our uh, relationship therapist. Yep. Yes. <laughs> it's happening. Um, yeah. Uh, the representative who came up with this bill is Morgan Meyer. He's a Republican from Dallas. Wait, his last name's Meyer? Like... Selena Myers. Yes. <laughs> yeah, minus the S. Yeah. Uh, you know, his um, statement on this bill was that it should be against the law or whatnot because it's the same as exposing yourself in public, which that seems a little extreme. I don't think it's anything uh, close to exposing yourself to a person in public, but, um, you know, it still serves a purpose. And I feel like it's probably a good idea to. Yeah, I mean, about some people who don't want these things. This is how I look at all this. You know, we don't really teach folks who are raised masculine to have great communication skills or negotiate boundaries in a way that's vulnerable. And so there's a lot of masculine folks just firing off dick pics into the atmosphere, crossing their fingers, (laughs) wishing on a star that someone's going to be like, that dick is so amazing. I must have it. Yeah. Rather than being like, yo, you seem really cool. I like our vibe. I would like to take this to the next level. Can I show you a picture of what I'm working with? Yeah. It's not that hard. It's not hard. I feel like some people feel like it takes them out of the moment of uh, maybe feeling sexy to discuss that. Yeah, but if you can't can't negotiate consent and be sexy, girl, you need to come see me for therapy because I will teach you. Like, that's like 101. You're absolutely right. Thank Um, you. But I I feel like... Mariah, can you you make a trophy for that? So upset with myself for saying that <laughs> while being recorded. <laughs> that's gonna be like the that's gonna like fuel me all day. P.S. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like that's what um, when it comes to consent and discussing that uh, with someone you don't know as well. I think that's people's main complaint is like, well, if I have to discuss with you about being choked before we have sex, then it's gonna take me out of the moment when you. Yeah. Choke me. And <laughs> there's so many things that we might want that can mean so different, right? Like, people come to me because yeah. I'm, like, a specialty in, in kinks and fetishes, and they're like, I want to sub. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? Because there's a lot of ways to sub. Some people like pain. Some people like humiliation. Some people like to be a prize pet. And there's nothing worse than showing up for a hookup and saying, oh, I'm going to sub. And that motherfucker punches you, and you're like, the fuck is this? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So being very, very uh, aware of what you want, yeah, and clear and communicating, hey, this is what it's, this is what I'm hoping for. Yeah, yeah, I think that's accurate. Me and my gorgeous husband is produced by Mariah Gossett, Adam Marr of Moon Tower Counseling, and Mashan Fontenot. That's me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is you. Show me that beautiful butt. <laughs> 
we'll be around, I guess, next week or sometime. Tune back in. Who knows? More episodes. We could be dead. We could get hit by a bus. So you better listen to (laughs) (laughs) all the ones you can. For a limited time. Yeah. Until that bus comes. (laughs) (laughs) So listen, uh, we will see y'all next week, maybe. More episodes of Me and My Gorgeous Husband coming up. Thank you.